Welcome to the show today. I am here with Pastor Gary Hamrick at Cornerstone Chapel in Leesburg, Virginia. Now, listen, many of you wonderful friends and listeners to this podcast uh, live more on the West Coast because that's where I've been from and started my ministry. So you guys all know the name Pastor Jack Hibbs. But if you're not on the East Coast, then, you know, what are you doing? Why don't you know the name Pastor Gary Hamrick? Uh, he's the Jack Hibbs of Virginia. You should know that. Um, and, uh, and so for that reason, of course, the, the wokey wokes and the uh, federal government and the Democrats uh, really don't like Pastor Gary because he does boldly address the issues. We're in Loudoun County, however, and you guys may remember a little story uh, last year, a little story about this place called Loudoun County with a high school boy who said he was a girl and raped two girls. And then uh, the entire activist media infrastructure tried to make excuses for this, to cover it up, and to say this, is, this cannot be attributed in any way, shape, or form towards the policies that allowed him in the bathroom in the first place. And then Matt Walsh and Daily Wire got involved, and this church was really mobilized um, to start contending for righteousness, as they had already been doing, in the public square with the school board. And they have been living out what it means to be salt and light. And so mm. uh, I'm here today sharing tonight on uh, Wednesday, uh, March 22nd, as this recording. But I just wanted you to be introduced, if you don't know him already, of just a wonderful brother, and I think an example who's leading the way in these out-of-control culture of death culture wars uh, and how the bride of Christ should be leading the way out of this mess. Buckle up, you're in for a treat. I'm Seth Gruber, and this is Unaborted. (laughs) Pastor Gary, brother, thank you. Wow. Good to be here with you. Seth, thanks. It's a joy to have you with us. And just to clarify, it's not really West Coast and East Coast. It's Left Coast and Right Coast. Oh, you know what? Uh, that actually anyway. makes a lot of... That, that phrase is pregnant with meaning. We, we, <laughs> exactly. could, we could unpack that for another day. Um, so I've had some great brothers come here. My, my buddy, Pastor John Amachuku, who's yeah. just a wonderful brother. Yeah. Yeah. And of course, uh, you know, Jack is a yeah. longtime friend of yours as well. And my, I will always call him my pastor, Rob McCoy. Yeah. Um, and we moved recently, but that was our church, Godspeed Calvary Chapel. Love uh, all those guys. And so just, just wonderful people. And it's fun how, you know, when tyranny rises, um, circles get smaller. Yeah. And you start to really see, like, who's who in the zoo. Right. And it kind of shows, I think, it kind of shows people's actually, like, idols and their yeah. lines. Yeah. And, and, and how far they're willing to push before they get uncomfortable yeah. or they have to start sacrificing certain liberties and comforts they've taken for granted. And, and so yeah. I, I'm just grateful for you for kind of leading the way in this, in this season. But for people who aren't familiar with you, Pastor Gary, who, who don't know who Pastor Gary Hamrick is, uh, just give us a little uh, teaser yeah. on, on where you're from, how you came to Leesburg, Virginia. Wow. And, and how this church got planted. So I'll give you the short version. Yeah. Um, so I've been pastoring Cornerstone Chapel here for 31 years. We started it with just a handful of people, 18 charter members. Wow. Um, I was actually a youth pastor before starting Cornerstone, and uh, I was born in D.C. I was raised in Northern Virginia, so I'm a local kid. Okay. And uh, But this is where God planted us, and this is where um, the Lord has called us. And so shortly after we, we started Cornerstone, I grew up, uh, and you know, no, no disparaging my heritage. Everybody should be thankful for some aspect of their heritage, okay? But I grew up Methodist, okay? okay. Back in the day when the Methodist church was still pretty on center, 
Um, oh, now you mean before they were putting rainbow flags <laughs> exactly. at the entrance and, to the church? And ordaining homosexuals and all of that. So, um, yeah, my grandfather was actually a district superintendent in the Methodist Church in the Baltimore Conference. My great-grandfather was a circuit rider preacher um, back wow. in, in the hills of West Virginia. So, long wow. story short, anyway, shortly How after cool. starting Cornerstone, I knew I didn't want to go the route of my Methodist roots, as thankful as I am for some of the things there. Sure. I tell people I'm a recovering Methodist. Um, <laughs> and so, I, and, but I had, shortly after I got saved when I was a teenager, um, the radio became my discipleship. And so I was listening to guys like Chuck Smith, Raul Reese, Greg Laurie, yeah. uh, Mike McIntosh. And so wow. shortly after starting Cornerstone, um, we got affiliated with Calvary Chapel. So I, I have a different Calvary story. A lot of Calvaries are sent out by a Calvary. Yeah. And so we planted, and then I looked for affiliation. Who's going to hold my credentials, my ordination? And so, so Pastor Chuck ordained me. We became a Calvary Chapel about th three years into the ministry here. And, um, and it's been a joy to see what God has done yeah. here in the suburbs of Washington, D.C. Wow, it's amazing. Yeah. Um, it's been really sad and hard to watch the divisions yeah. in the body of Christ yeah. over the last, well, I guess you could say it's actually been decades, but it's, this is what Brother Vody Bauckham would call right. fault lines. Right. Um, and those fault lines are getting bigger. Yeah. They're getting bigger. And at some point, it's going to erupt. Well, yeah. wrong analogy. It's, 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 the quake is going to be shocking. Mm -hmm. and, but I think that really intensified uh, starting with the COVID shutdowns. I mean, yeah. that's really, you started seeing a lot of this. And so you had uh, Pastor Brian Broderson, who married Chuck's daughter right. of Calvary Chapel Costa Mesa, the right. mothership. Right, right. And, right. and I say all these things because uh, we've, we've said these things publicly at Godspeed Calvary Chapel. My pastor Rob was yeah. very gracious to reach out to Pastor Brian and ask for a, a cordial, kind, brotherly conversation together because mm -hmm. Pastor Brian Broderson in late 2020 or early 2021, basically took shots at Rob and mm. Jack, but without saying their names. Yeah. And he talked about those pastors violating Romans 13. Mm -hmm. They're not being obedient to yeah. the governing authorities. And he started kind of weaving in critical race theory premises, and he started drinking Trump derangement syndrome. <laughs> and uh, then he started having uh, Rick Warren on his show to talk mm. about why if you're a good neighbor, if you're a good Christian, you got to put your five-year-olds in face diapers mm. and you should wear one too. And if you, mm. if you don't, you're not a good Christian. Mm -hmm. um, and we started going, whoa, whoa, whoa. And Pastor Brian Broderson said that, he, that the church missed out on an opportunity to show how much they love their neighbors by, by laying aside their rights and willingly shutting their churches, taking the jab and wearing the face diapers. That if we had, if we had all just been compliant then the world would have really wanted to hear the gospel because they would have showed how willing we were to lay down our, our rights mm -hmm. in order to love our neighbor. And that was just one of many examples of, of some of these fault lines. And so we, we were talking earlier, Pastor Gary, and so I want, I want to ask you this because I think a lot of my friends and, and listeners and followers of this podcast have been really, really, really disturbed um, with Biola University recently hiring um, Ed Stetzer as the Dean of Talbot Theological mm. Seminary. And I'm sorry I'm taking some time here, but I, I have followers on social media like calling the university, trying to understand what's going on. Yeah. I, I have people who are pulling do uh, donations 
to, to my old university. They're pleading for answers as to why in the world you would bring Ed Stetzer on. And so it, all of these things matter, as you understand, because uh, when, when the church abdicated the public square and said, we're not political, the, the, the high priests of humanism right. um, took, pick up the reins of the republic that we refused to wield for righteousness, and they wielded them for wickedness. Yeah. And here we are now. So Ed Stetzer, very quickly, because I, I really want to get your thoughts on this, um, he wrote an article in 2021 called, If You Love Your Neighbor, You Have to Get the Vaccine. That was the title of the article. So if, you, if you're a good Christian, Pastor Gary, you have to take the, the, the aborted baby vaccine. You have to take it. Or you're, you're actually, you don't even love Jesus. That was the premise of the article. Um, he had Francis Collins, the disgraced NIH director, on his church leaders podcast. And Megan Basham of The Daily Wire wrote a piece in 2021 that caused Big Eva to collapse in on itself like a dying star. Mm. And she was very documented and careful in her research explaining basically the career legacy of Francis Collins. Mm. Um, Francis Collins, through the NIH, we have documented, has funded the mastectomies of healthy 13-year-old girls who think they're boys. Mm. That's tax dollars being funneled through the NIH to mm. chop off your teenage daughter's breasts. Yeah. He has funded the, the, um, a study tracking the homosexual activities of teenage boys and asking them to input their, their homosexual experiences into an app mm. um, without parental knowledge or consent. Francis Collins has called for record level funding to embryonic stem cell research. Mm. And he attended Barack Obama's signing of the executive order to reverse the previous ban on such funding. Wow. Francis Collins has devoted record level funding to fetal organ harvesting and fetal tissue research. Mm. Um, Francis Collins with Fauci, so NIAID and NIH, together funded the University of Pittsburgh uh, and Judicial Watch exposed this in 2021. What they were doing at the University of Pittsburgh is they were, they were murdering second to third trimester babies, most of whom were viable and could have just been delivered at that point and given up for adoption, in one wing of the University of Pittsburgh Hospital. And then they were taking those children um, that, they, that, they, that they put, quote, fresh and on ice mm. to keep as, as uh, fresh as possible. And they were scalping them, like Elizabeth Warren with some Indian war hammer, <laughs> scalping these children, Pastor Gary, and putting their scalps subcutaneously onto lab rats. And now you might remember this story, yeah. to create humanized mice. And Judicial Watch got the photos of lab rats with human hair growing on their backs. Wow. Uh, and and they, then they use these humanized mice to perform experiments to find solutions to staph infections. I mean, this is stuff that makes Joseph Mengele blush, yeah, right, Brother yeah, Gary. Yeah. So, so Francis Collins is funding all of this stuff. Mm. Um, and Ed Stetzer then says, come onto my podcast. Oh, Francis Collins has publicly said, I have the document that, quote, he does not definitely believe that human life begins at conception. And lastly, Francis Collins has defended eugenic prenatal testing to eliminate children with Down syndrome. So that's who Francis Collins is. Gotcha. Rick Warren, Ed Stetzer, and Tim Keller all have him on their podcasts hmm. during 2021 to spout COVID propaganda about why everyone should get the jab and why masks are a magical talisman that will protect you. So Megan Basham writes this article exposing how the federal government used evangelical leaders to, to prop forward their agenda. And on that podcast, Ed Stetzer said, quote, you know how thankful I am for you and what you do. And he referred to Francis Collins as a Christian brother. 
this is one of the high priests of humanism, doing things yeah. that make uh, Hitler and Mengele look like toddlers playing in a sandbox. Mm -hmm. And then Ed Stetzer announces on this podcast with Francis Collins that he'll be partnering with his, where he was leading the Billy Graham Evangel Evangelistic Association. They'll be partnering with the, the Biden administration um, to create a website called coronavirusandthechurch.com to share COVID resources to churches. Now listen, do you think maybe that maybe these people might get something wrong, given the <laughs> fact that they defend eugenic abortions and they chop off your teenage girl's breast because she thinks yeah. she's a boy? Yeah. Maybe there's a chance they might actually be wrong on some other things. Yeah. Um, he gets exposed for his relationship with Francis Collins. No repentance, no I'm sorry. You're, you're helping advance the mission yeah. and goals of one of the most, I think one of the most wicked men uh, in the Leviathan of the 21st century, Francis yeah. Collins. Mm. Um, and then Ed Stetzer wrote a piece, and I'm almost done, Pastor Gary, I'm just giving you yeah. who this man is, who sure. now leads Talbot Theological Seminary, where he said that Christians who were, who were sharing the lab leak theory that COVID started at the Wuhan Institute of Virology, he said that, that we needed to repent mm. for saying that because he said, lying harms your Christian witness. And then when it came out that well, it's pretty obvious yeah. it came from the Wuhan. Right. Do you know what happened, Pastor Gary? He called up his friend Russell Moore, editor-in-chief of Christianity Today. says, hey, can you strike that article from the internet? It's not on the internet anymore. I've tried to find it. Okay. I have the URL where he said we need to repent huh. for saying that. It's not on the internet anymore. And he publicly praised that garbage book, White Fragility, hmm. as, a, as a great resource for Christians to read. Okay. Biologists hired him as the dean yeah. of Talbot Theological Seminary. And I have uh, brothers of mine that I used to respect telling me that I'm wrong for, for, for they say I'm smearing him, for, for calling out, for exposing his record, for saying that he's mm -hmm. a false teacher, uh, that, he, that uh, he's a snake in the church is what I said, and he, needs, he should definitely not be training the next generation of, mm. of Christian pastors. Yeah. And yeah. here was the argument I got. Seth, I don't see any evidence that he's deviated from orthodoxy. So what's the pastoral perspective, Pastor Guerra, on, on like how we think through someone like Ed Stetzer who will still say that the only way to uh, sal salvation and eternal life is through the, the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus and Calvary, and you need to repent, and it's only through Calvary that you can experience forgiveness of sins and eternal life. Stetzer will still say those things. Right. And so I have f friends of mine that I thought were clear on these issues who are telling me that I'm in the wrong and that they're not going to be using their position to try to blow the trumpet like Ezekiel and, and warn the people of Biola about Stetzer because I don't see him deviating from orthodoxy. How, how would you as a pastor help people think through that given the, the broadening fault lines in the church today? Yeah, that was a lot uh, to, to try to unpack. But um, In other words, can you do whatever the hell you want right. as long as you say, hey, the only way... To repentance and eternal life is Jesus. And if you get that right, you can basically do whatever you want. Because that seems to be what I was being told by PhD friends of mine that I thought knew better. Well, one of the things that is challenging in, in ministry is um, we, can, we can be guilty by association. And so, you know, there are, like you listen to some old podcasts or, or teachings of mine, like there are times that I've praised Ravi Zacharias as one of the great apologists of our time. Right, right. And then later we find out what Ravi Zacharias uh, was into. So, and I, and I still will get, if that, if that old teaching airs on the radio somewhere, I still get emails like, how dare you be associated with this? I'm like, okay, well, wait, I said that at a time when I didn't know and nobody knew. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
So I, I, you know, I think the answer in part is if a guy like Ed Stetzer would realize he's made a bad alliance with the wrong association, then he could renounce that. And I think that you and probably others would be like, okay, we can learn from you know, bad associations that we don't always know everything that somebody's totally. into, believes, writes about, or whatever. The challenge is when we, when we try to defend those alliances or those friendships. Right. And, um, and so, so anybody can go around talking about what they believe. Sure. But they have to live out their faith in practical, pure ways, and it has to be both. It's not just what I believe, it's how I behave. Right. And if my behavior is inconsistent with my belief system, then there's, there's a dichotomy there that has Amen. to be reconciled. And right now, it sounds like that has not been reconciled with Ed. So as, as Christians, Pastor Gary, when, when someone who is functioning in a public manner right. is saying evil or wrong things, and is gently approached by others about that. Many right. people approached Ed Stetzer sure. over the last two years yeah. over some of the things I just laid out to you. The, by the way, when the Daily Wire reached out to Stetzer, David French, Russell Moore, and Tim Keller um, about all of their borderline man crush <laughs> relationship with Francis yeah. Collins, all of them declined to comment. Okay. Um, and so many Christians have reached out to Ed Stetzer in the interim. And for you yeah. guys who are listening, if you don't know who this is, by the way, most of you do because I've covered it in depth. I mean, Ed Stetzer was the dean at Wheaton. Yeah. Ed Stetzer uh, was leading the Billy Graham Evangelistic Association. Uh, Ed Stetzer has been involved with major Christian publications. Mm -hmm. um, and now he's the dean at one of the biggest seminaries in the country. I mean, this guy's had wielded big influence. Yeah. And so my understanding as someone who's not seasoned as you and not a pastor is that when, when you're approached about these things and you write them off and you double down, you triple down, you defend That's the it, problem. you smear the people who are trying to call you to repentance yeah. and to understand as, as like, as they're the ones who are sowing division. Right. And they're the conspiracy theorists and they're the, they're probably just, they're probably just big ultra MAGA domestic terrorist to quote Merrick Garland uh, or, or Korean Jean-Pierre yeah. uh, like to me at that point when you're doing these things publicly yeah then then me and other Christians should call you out publicly yeah. um, and actually warn people against against you um, so that's that's been hard for me and, and, a, and a lot of people right now because um, I, I we're not seeing anyone address that at Biola and this was an institution we thought many people thought was with us mm -hmm. that understood the times and, and the importance of the yeah, church. It makes you wonder who at Biola, Biola didn't do their homework. Or that they knew all. Or that they knew, yeah. that would be even worse. Yeah. yeah. Believe me, I have lots of friends and followers on social media, Pastor Gary, saying, I've been calling. Yeah. I've been emailing. Yeah. Trying to get in touch with Barry Corey, so trying to ask how this happened, showing them yeah. your coverage of all this stuff. Yeah. So all, I, I, all this matters to me, brother, and, I, and it's, it, it burns in my, in my loins, yeah. <laughs> in my heart, because um, if, if the blood-bought bride of Christ can't stand for the truth and, and differentiate between black and white and evil and good right, and the right. beautiful and the ugly yeah. and wickedness and righteousness, then who will? And yeah. if we can't get that right in-house, how in the world can we be expected to stand in a culture of death like we're in today? Yeah, exactly. I mean, we, we need each other for accountability. And if we're not willing to be accountable to one another, then what's going to be the standard yeah. by which to live? Yeah. G. Campbell Morgan said, the church pure is the church powerful. 
Mm. And when we lack that purity, we're going to lack the power that he wants of his bride. That's right. To make a difference in our world. I heard it once said that unless the church flatulent <laughs> becomes the church militant, it will become the church irrelevant. Mm. Wow. And that's actually my great fear is that we're actually living yeah. through that right now. Yeah. And yet there are remnants. There are, I call them the sons and daughters of Issachar yeah. Um, yeah. who understand the times. And so you, you have been mobilizing a church here, Pastor Gary, that's doing just that. And so uh, share a little bit about the, the story behind the Loudoun County School District yeah. and uh, a, a quick primer on, on what the heck happened yeah. for those who don't know. And then, and then how, did, how did you and the church kind of step into the fray of that? Yeah, it was, it was kind of a perfect storm. I mean, you had COVID happening at the same <laughs> right. time that the school board is, in some ways, taking advantage of COVID to try to introduce a policy under the radar. It was policy 8040. And it was basically a policy that um, allows a student, now think about this, a minor, a child, okay, under the age of 18 in the school system, to identify by whatever pronoun they chose, even if it defied their own biology, right? And, um, and the policy also uh, required that the school system never reported it to the parents. So it removed right. parental right and parental responsibility. It gave minors the ability to identify by whatever pronoun they wanted. The whole thing was a mess. So at a public hearing, which was inviting public comment, one uh, man stood up, Tanner Cross, who um, happens to also be employed by the school system. He's a PE teacher for the school system. But as a public, private citizen rather, at a public meeting, he stood up to express his own Christian values. Listen, this is in conflict with my Christian values. I can't lie to a child and say that they are a gender that they're not if, they, if it doesn't line up with their biology. Right. And for that, he was put on administrative leave. Now, I didn't know at the time that Tanner Cross went to our church. Wow. So when I found that out, you know, I had him and Angela into my office, prayed over them, got them up in front of the congregation on a Sunday morning, just so we could pray over them and support them. Yeah. So here's where it unraveled, Seth. Okay, so I'm just introducing Tanner, and I'm supporting Tanner and his position. He's guided by his faith, right, as a believer. And I made a statement in, in the course of that introduction of Tanner saying, that yeah, listen, if you lie, if you intentionally lie to a child, that they can be whatever gender they want, if you, even if it defies their bi biological sex, their God-given beautiful design, I said, and here's the buzz phrase, I said, that's emotional child abuse, because you're lying to a child. Yeah. Well, the Daily Wire picked up on that. I, that afternoon, my phone is blowing up in a positive way. Yeah, you know, yeah. Ben Shapiro on the Daily Wire ran a positive story like, hey, listen, listen to what this pastor's saying about this nonsense in our world. Yeah. The Loudoun Democratic Party picked up on it and they put out a press release against me that I should <laughs> renounce my inflammatory comments. And, and For believing what every Democrat believed seven years ago. <laughs> yeah, I mean, and I got calls from elected leaders and wow. just saying, you know, you ought to renounce your comments. And, and, uh, and, and, and wow. so, look, and I'm like, and why? Why would I renounce my comments? I mean, it, if you intentionally lie to a child, that's, that's taking advantage of them. That's, that's lying mm -hmm. to them. Dr. Michelle Cretella, executive director of the American Association for Pediatricians, 
she she called it out clearly when she said, you know, you when you use hormone blockers and you 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 start surgically removing genitalia, she said that's institutional child abuse. Oh yeah. And so it's it, you know, I'm only echoing what other people have said. It's not like I'm the making science. something up. You're just, yeah. you're just citing the science. Yeah. Trademark yeah, over but, the E. <laughs> but all of a sudden they don't want to believe the science anymore. Um, so that's when it really ignited and it blew up for us. Um, but at the same time, listen, what it did was it lit a fire under, under the seats of people who otherwise were not all that engaged. Mm. And all of a sudden, parents rightfully came out of the woodwork in support of um, parental rights. Right. And, um, and so they, you know, they showed up at school board meetings and, and they were just you know, outraged. By the way, policy 8040 ended up passing. It is a policy in place now in Loudoun County. Um, but at the same time, so you have COVID, you oh. have that policy, you have Glenn Youngkin running for governor, which, yeah. you know, he, he rightfully took advantage of this that's outrage. Right. And, um, and that's in part what swept him into office because right. people are just like, you know, parents have to have the rights over what their kids learn and say and believe. And, and, and so all of that came to a head. But let me tell you a positive outcome, all right? Yeah. So, so because of policy 8040, this, this high school guy, dressed up like a girl, goes into a girl's restroom, sexually assaults a young lady. The school board covers it up and just simply moves him to another high school where he commits another sexual assault. But the parents of the first girl, um, because there was a scuffle at the, at the school board meeting and the, the, right. the dad ended up getting arrested, but anyway, the deputies, ended up saying to him, you ought to go to Cornerstone Chapel. <laughs> he ends up coming here, and on a Sunday when I gave an invitation to walk forward to receive Christ, the father of that girl who got sexually assaulted walked forward and received Christ as a Savior. Oh, so, wow. I mean, God is working in the midst of all wow. of the, the evil, too. Incredible. So, yeah, How cool. praise God for that. And what is the current status of the school board yeah, here so, post- that just yeah. circus. So when, when they were, were all about policy 8040, you know, I, I got requests, can we sign petitions to have these school board members uh, recalled? And, um, and I, I agreed to do it. The, the, the process to recall somebody is pretty difficult. Um, in, in the course of trying to recall six of the school board members, um, and, and I'm not glorifying in this, but one died. Um, and one resigned because it was heading to court and she knew she was going to lose. So she resigned her seat. Okay. Um, <clears throat> the others haven't been recalled, so we're waiting for the next election cycle. But um, they, there's been a shift in a positive way where they realized they overstepped their, their bounds, but, but unfortunately policy 8040 got passed, so we have to wait for another school board to rescind all that. Okay. In the meantime, too, the, the, the school superintendent got indicted but uh, yeah, the Attorney General of Virginia, Jason Miaris, stepped it up and did an investigation to Loudoun County. So the uh, spokesperson for Loudoun County Public Schools and the superintendent both got indicted. So that's in, in litigation right now in court. And um, for uh, all related to all of this, covering up, suppressing information, all this kind of stuff. So we'll see where wow. all that ends up. Wow. But it's been a circus and, uh, <laughs> you know, 
but it, this has kind of been the epicenter of craziness in the last couple of years. Yeah. But it's an opportunity. It's an opportunity for the light to be turned on. That's and, right. you know, we're seeing people hungry for the truth. Yeah. People are, I got an email from a guy who's raising four daughters with his wife and head of a pharmaceutical company. And he emailed me just to say, we just love co coming to Cornerstones just because we, we, we know when we hear what's, what's coming from the pulpit that we're not going crazy. Mm, and so, wow. you know, that's our ministry right now. Helping people understand they're amen. not going crazy. Yeah, amen. Yeah. Well, one of the coolest things I saw Pastor Gary as a, you know, a member of Godspeed Calvary Chapel with Pastor Rob McCoy and um, being a part of this collection of pastors. I'm not a pastor, but uh, friends and this awesome community of pastors in California who were defying, uh, we call them Newsom Lini, yeah. um, and were opening their churches in the summer of 2020. Yeah, right. Early on, and yeah. you, you know, Pastor Rob, I mean, he was getting written violations, yeah. and he was threatened with arrest, and then about a thousand Christians from all around California showed up one Sunday morning and said, you know, you want to screw around and find out? Yeah. You want you want to try to arrest him? Start with us. And yeah, yeah. It, it was a great lesson of like, wow, when the church really stands up, right. Satan sits down. Yeah. But so many people started coming to churches in that summer of 2020 mm -hmm. for those that were open because it was one of the only places you could get a hug. Yeah, yeah. That you could look at someone without a face diaper on them and see their smile. <laughs> face diaper. Who would walk up to you and put their hand on your yeah. shoulder and say, how are you, brother? Yeah. It was one of the only places you could go where you could hear singing. Right. And, right. and you could feel the power of a social community, yeah. but centered on righteousness. And so it's not a coincidence that within a, a year later or so, Pastor Jack Hibbs in Calvary Chapel, Chino Hills, did the largest baptism in California history. Wow. Because those were largely all yeah. new believers. Yeah. So yes, some people left their woke, compromised churches to find the churches that were open. Right. But also a lot of non-Christians who had yeah. nowhere else to go. Yeah. And were told they didn't have the right to work. Yeah. Found the church. Ended up getting saved. Yeah. So we've got the script all wrong. Yeah. And so that I'm just I'm bolstering what you just said of sure. like when we stood up. It was a fragrant incense. People were drawn to the truth. Yeah. And now you as the pastor and shepherd have an opportunity to remind them of who really is the truth, yeah. the way, and the life. And so here's a question for you, Pastor Gary. What do you say to the Andy Stanleys? Um, and he's just kind of the caricature of this rot yeah. in evangelicalism. He wrote a book called Not In It To Win It. I mean, right. like literally abdicate. When I had Eric Metaxas on the show, he said, it's the polar opposite of everything I say yeah. in Letter to the American Church. So I'm just using him as the caricature, but, but the pastors who say, hey man, hey, hey man, I just preach the gospel, man. Right. I just, I'm just, hey, I'm just here to preach Jesus, brother. Right. And hey, Johnson Amendment, you know, separation of church and state. I don't want to create an idol out of yeah. politics. I'm just, I'm here to just be about Jesus. Um, the people who are still saying that today, mm -hmm. but they're not preaching wokeism from the pulpit. It's not like they're preaching... Right. secular progressivism from the pulpit, but they're teaching the spirit of Lot. Abdicate. And when, this, yeah. when the mob comes to your house, just give them your daughters and kick the can down the road for the next generation to deal mm -hmm. with. And that, but just tell them Jesus loves them. But don't stand for the rights of your neighbor. Um, as you've been in this fight for so long, what's the pastor's response to those men? Yeah, I mean, I... There, early on, <laughs> when, when COVID first hit, there was kind of this concern and confusion about what's the right thing to do. You know, we closed down for about six or eight weeks too. We opened up about two weeks after Jack did. Jack, Jack called me, he's like, I'm opening up Pentecost Sunday, the end of May. 
And I'm like, okay, well, we're not quite ready in place yet. But as everybody's kind of assessing, like, is our, our and, and listen, every death is, is not to be overlooked and every life is precious. Yeah. Um, but when we were trying to figure out, are millions gonna die? Is there mass casualties? Is it a good thing to close for the benefit of others? Uh, okay, but at the same time, Hebrews 10.25, like we can't neglect the assembling together. Yeah. So uh, we opened back up uh, early summer too, and we got, we got written up by the health department four times, you yeah, know, yeah. And, they, and they didn't enforce anything, they didn't fine us, but, you know, but here's the reason why we did it, because CDC was putting out their own numbers saying that the age demographic between 18 and 25, That's right. they were suffering more because of the isolation. It was leading to suicidal ideation yeah. than the virus itself. Yeah. And so when we were seeing numbers like that, we're like, you know, isolation's a bigger killer than the virus. So we've got to open back up and we have to make sure that the fellowship because you know we are created for that fellowship, yeah. and when you when you lose out on that on that physical touch and that that togetherness, you know it's detrimental to us. So yeah. um, when when you ha when you end up having guys like Andy Stanley writing what he does, to me it's it's just it's capitulating to a culture that basically says the culture is God and not the Church of Jesus Christ, which, uh, you know, Jesus is God and Jesus is Lord, but the Church of Jesus Christ should be leading the way. And it seems to me that when people end up capitulating to the culture, they're allowing the culture to influence the church and not the church influencing the mm. culture. To remain silent is, is to abdicate our responsibility as pastors. We have to address the issues of the day. Martin Luther actually said it best. He said, if you preach the gospel without addressing the issues of your time, you are not preaching the gospel at all. Yeah. And so it's not just yeah. the gospel of Jesus in terms of salvation. It's the gospel of Jesus, which is the salvation of the soul. That's the most important foundational thing. But you've got to address all the other things happening in the culture at the same time. Yeah. Otherwise, how genuine is your faith? You're not really living it out. You're not really dealing with the issues of your time. Not too far from here in Woodstock, Virginia, John Peter Mullenberg, in the American Revolutionary War, you know, he stands up in his church and he, and he removes the black clerical robe to reveal an officer's uniform in the Continental Army. And, and he calls his men to the back of the church and he says, you know, and he preached out of Ecclesiastes chapter 3. He said, there's a time for peace and time for war. Mm. And he says, now is another time for peace. It's a time for war. Marches to the back of his church and men from his church join him and it forms the 8th Virginia Brigade that is still functioning today, yeah. 8th Virginia Brigade. So listen, you know, pastors have led the charge for we have to be engaged, we have to be, you know, when people say you're too political, it's just all I'm trying to do is be biblical to address the issues of the time. Yeah. If that looks political, then let people say that. But what, what's happening is culture and politics have, have hijacked the issues that are sacred to God. Right. Like if the culture starts saying to me there's more than two genders and I start saying, no, listen, kind of the, the Bible speaks clearly about male and female and there's not 70, there's two, then people can say, well, that's too political. It's like, no, I, we're just teaching out of the handbook, right? This is God's word. So let people say what they want, but to remain silent and to say, well, I'm just going to only be over here in the corner and just talk about how to get to heaven and preach Jesus but never helping people live out their faith in the real world, not in it to win it. I mean, I, I don't know where he's coming from, but um, we have to put a stake in the ground and say, listen, these are issues that we are facing today and we have to address them from the pulpit. Mm. We have to. Wow. 
I don't know why you had me out to speak tonight. I should just well, I should no. just give you your pulpit back tonight. Our folks have heard me drone on about this over and over again, so it'll be great to have a fresh As voice. As Pastor Douglas Wilson would say at All of Christ for All of Life. Yeah. Um, yeah. R.J. Rush Dooney, the, uh, the father of the modern homeschool movement, yeah. um, put it probably better, almost better than anyone else I've ever heard it. He said, dominion does not disappear when a man renounces it. It is simply transferred to another person, perhaps to his wife, children, employer, or the state, um, where an individual surrenders his due dominion, where the family abdicates it and the mm -hmm. worker and employer reduce it, there another party, usually the state, concentrates that dominion. Mm. Where organized society surrenders power, yeah. the mob gains it proportionate to the surrender. Yeah. So in other words, there is no such thing as moral neutrality. Tuck that away with the tooth fairy and Santa Claus. <laughs> there will be a theocracy. Mm. We're just living under the theocracy of the religion of humanism yeah. or Darwinism yeah. or Neo-Malthusianism mm. or overpopulationism, whatever you want to call it. Mm. <clears throat> there will be a, a, a morality that reigns in the public square. Yeah. The question is whose. Exactly. So why not the one that built this country yeah. and gave you all the freedoms and liberties that you now take for granted and refuse to contend for, not you, but you know, right, right. The, the Andy Stanleys, <clears throat> that you now refuse to contend for for future generations. Um, and my great fear is that, and I pray I am wrong, that by the time we wake up, we'll be like Martin Niemöller and go, oh gosh, mm. I woke up too late. Yeah. And so he well, would that... famously say at the end of his life, and many people know this line, they just don't know that it was him. Uh, Niemöller, who spent time in, in a concentration camp after he woke up for criticizing Hitler, mm -hmm. who joined Bonhoeffer's Confessing mm -hmm. Church kind of too late. Yeah, yeah. I said first they came for um, the socialists, and I didn't speak up because I was not a socialist. Right. Then they came for the trade unionists, and I did not speak up because I was not a trade unionist. And then they came for the Jews, and I didn't speak up because I was not a Jew. And then they yeah. came for me. There was no one left yeah. to speak up for me. Today we might say, Pastor Gary, first they came for the preborn. And I did not speak up because I was not a preborn. Right. Then they came for the elderly and those with Down syndrome, and I did not speak up because I was not an elderly. Yeah. Then they came for the pro-life sidewalk counselors and the Catholics that Merrick Garland called domestic terrorists, mm -hmm. and I did not speak up because I was not a pro-life sidewalk counselor. Mm -hmm. um, and then they came for me. Yeah. Uh, and and we're living through this this, this cyclical nature of history yeah. because human nature is fixed yeah. uh, once again. And so what would be, as we kind of wrap up, what would be your, the, the word from your pastor's heart to, to, to people um, who, who might either uh, share that concern but don't know what to do, or maybe, more importantly, um, to the, the men and women in the church who believe in the gospel and, and they're not woke um, and they don't like what they see happening, but they still haven't done anything. Yeah. You know, I, a story that comes to my mind from the Bible is Shema, and Shema, it talks about how he was one of David's mighty men. In fact, he was one of the top three of his mighty men, mm -hmm. and yet there's only like two verses in the whole Bible devoted to this guy, and it's all because he defended a field of lentils, which is basically a bean patch against the Philistines, right? That's all it says about him. He defended a bean patch, and what I like to tell people is sometimes in the world, it seems so overwhelming what we're up against in terms of culture and wokeness and all of this stuff. 
just figure out what's your little bean patch and defend that, mm. right? So like the stay-at-home mom, like your bean patch might be your kids at home. Like, okay, just be faithful to that. To the guy that has a construction company, you know, your, your company and your employees, that, that's your bean patch. And like if together all of us do our part to defend the little place where God has placed us, it'll be a beautiful patchwork and God will get the glory. And inch by inch, little ground by little ground, we can still take back our land and we can still promote righteousness for the glory of God. Mm, amen. Uh, I'll leave you with this nugget then to chew on, Pastor Gary, because you just, you spurred another thought in me. Um, what a great story. What a great analogy. Uh, that, that's, a, that's a title for a sermon right there. Yeah. Um, and I'm sure it has been. Um, my favorite theologian, uh, Gandalf the Grey, um, uh, says in Return of the King, uh, other evils there are that may come. For Sauron is himself but a servant or emissary. Yet it is not our part to master all the tides of the world, but to do what is in us for the sucker of those years wherein we are set, uprooting the evil in the fields that we know, so that those that live after may have clean earth to till. What weather they shall have, is not ours to rule. Mm. I guess after C.S. Lewis and maybe Chesterton, <laughs> Gandalf would be my favorite theologian. But um, what's your field, right? Exactly. What's your bean patch? Exactly. And 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 if you don't till that yeah. soil and you don't uproot those weeds, yeah, others will take that land from you. That's right. Yeah. Anyway. I don't have any great theologians to quote like that. That was very poetic, too, by the way. Well, it's Tolkien. I mean, come on. <laughs> well, Pastor Gary, thank you. Hey, for, for, um, for the many brothers and sisters who listen to this podcast and people around the country who um, sometimes they need a little bit of fresh wind and fresh fire yeah. of the truth and the full counsel because a lot, of, a lot of our brothers and sisters, frankly, they can't find a local church where they live. Yeah. that's willing to preach the full counsel and, and mobilize for righteousness. So for people who enjoyed listening to this, where pe can people connect with you and with Cornerstone Chapel? Yeah, cornerstonechapel.net. Uh, we have a YouTube page, uh, Facebook, we're social media, Instagram, and our website. And we've got, we've got viewers and listeners now around the world thanks to the, to the Internet. Yeah. The Internet has its downsides, but hey, yeah. it's an opportunity to get the gospel out. Too, Amen. So, yeah. Well, knowing how many people at this church spoke at Loudoun County School yeah. Board uh, meetings, let me give Merritt Garland's endorsement of the congregants <laughs> here as domestic terrorists. Uh, thanks for joining the show today, guys. Uh, head on over to iTunes, Spotify, YouTube. Give the show a rating and review. Let us know what you think. We really appreciate it. It's very kind. It's hard today and shadow banning crazy, craziness. Uh, I think my Instagram might have finally had the warning removed. It was like yeah. it was saying, warning, are you sure you want to follow this account? Oh. It's, it's spread dangerous misinformation. So uh, go ahead and give us a follow, share our content. I think they might have finally removed that. Got our first strike on YouTube the other day for something innocuous. So uh, go on over to Rumble, subscribe in case the digital tech lords ever digitally assassinate us there. Um, if you want to learn more, go to SethGruber.com to see my speaking schedule or to request me to speak live and local and go to thewhiterose.life, thewhiterose.life to get involved with the White Rose Resistance to take back life in America and to mobilize good people in the local level to push back against the Leviathan, the abortion industrial complex, and the culture of death before it's too late. Until next week, I'm Seth Gruber, and this is Unaborted. <laughs>